Well, happy Father's Day and welcome. We are in the second week of this series. I'm excited about this series. I get excited about our summer series all the time and just excited about summer in general. Um, Summer really kicked off for me and my family a couple weeks ago. My wife actually had gotten tickets for my birthday back in February to go see U2 and the Lumineers at Soldier Field. And so we went over to Chicago and took our son Eli with us. And um, I, it was, it's their 30th anniversary of their Joshua Tree Tour. And um, I was there 30 years ago as a freshman in college and got to see them. And these boys still know how to rock. It was, a, it was an amazing show. I was looking at Eli at one point and um, the edge is just shredding, you know, on, on the guitar. And, and Eli is just like, his mouth open. He just couldn't believe it. It was so great to be able to go experience that with him. One of the great songs uh, on the Joshua Tree album is the, is the gospel hymn, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. And uh, a friend of mine before the concert actually sent me a link because U2 was on Jimmy Kimmel Live uh, before the tour and um, they performed the song. I put the link in the bulletin today because you've got to go home and watch this after your service. Seriously, I'm sitting there watching it on my deck, and I'm like, moved to worship. I may have even shed a tear or two while I was <laughs> so excited. Uh, but listen to these words, I mean, from that song. It says, I have climbed highest mountains. I have run through the fields only to be with you. I have run. I have crawled. I have scaled these city walls only to be with you. I have kissed honey lips. I have felt healing in fingertips. I believe in the kingdom come when all the colors bleed into one. You know I believe it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. My guess is that at some point or another, you sitting in these seats, just like me, has experienced this at some point in your life. Like, like you've caught a glimpse of God, and maybe you weren't even aware of it. Maybe you were on top of a mountain and you just saw his beauty. Or maybe you tasted the sweetness of life in a kiss. Or maybe you've been crawling recently, just begging God, just pleading for that that healing presence of his, but you still haven't found what you're looking for. I just want to encourage you that this morning's story is good news for you. It's, it's 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 like Bono talked about this song. He called this song a gospel for the restless. And Jesus tells a story today that's the same thing. It's, it's good news for all who are weary. For those who who believe in the kingdom come and those who don't yet believe in the kingdom come, Jesus wants to assure you that his kingdom, that the life you're looking for is available here and now, and it's growing. And one day when he returns, it will come in full. So look for it. Pray for it. Trust Jesus for it. In fact, Jesus tells us, he says, one of the primary reasons that God sent him to earth was to bring us this encouraging message of good news. It was after doing a bunch of of miracles and and healings, the people in the community that had had experienced all this, they go to Jesus and they're begging him to stay, like, hey, why don't you just... Why don't you just, you know, build a house and live with us here and just stay for a while and and you can keep doing all these great things. But Jesus said, said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. Jesus calls the kingdom of God good news. And, And the first thing he would tell people when he went to these towns was that it is available here. It is here and now. And Jesus' own life, 
is in all its power and all its goodness and all its abundance and all its blessing and grace and glory was a demonstration of the kind of life we'll experience in God's kingdom. And he called it by a lot of names. He called it the kingdom of God. He called it the kingdom of heaven. He called it abundant life. He called it eternal life. And all pretty much means the same thing. It's the life that we were created for, the life that we were designed to live. And he taught that it could be found in him. Matthew was one of the guys who found this life in Jesus, actually became one of his first followers. And he said that Jesus taught about this truth with great authority, which means he was different than all the other teachers. He wasn't just like giving them rules to follow or or giving them things to memorize, but Jesus would try to inspire people so that they could know who God was and know the kind of life that he was inviting them into so they would actually take a step into that life. And one of the ways, as the video said, that Jesus inspired people was to tell stories or to tell parables. And parables, scholars say that Jesus taught, uh, that that half of what Jesus taught, he taught in parables. And two-thirds of those parables were about this kingdom of God, this this kingdom life. And there was always some sort of surprise in these stories. They, They always sparked some kind of new thought or produced new ways of living for many of those who thought they already knew what it looked like to live life God's way. Jesus' purpose in telling these stories was always to invite people to take one more step into the kingdom, into the good life that he had come to provide for them. And huge crowds flocked to hear Jesus tell these stories. In the 13th chapter of Matthew's book about Jesus, he records three parables that Jesus told in a row. He says they were all about seeds. There was a seed that was planted in different types of soil, Uh, There was a seed that an enemy planted in a field. And then there's this third parable about this tiny uh, little mustard seed with amazing power. And that's where we're going to focus our time today. It actually begins with the 13th verse of chapter 31. It's a simple, short parable. It says this. It says, Jesus uh, told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is uh, the smallest of all seeds... Yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. That is powerful seed. Possibly it was a great allusion to actually a message that God had given earlier through the prophet Ezekiel that when he told Ezekiel he was going to come and he was going to plant his own tree on the earth one day. And it was going to be massive and people from all over the world were going to come And they're going to find refuge in life in this tree. And it's possible that the disciples who heard this story, heard Jesus talking about this mustard seed, actually made this connection. But as they looked around, it wasn't happening at all the way they were expecting it to. So I I brought some seeds this morning to get us a better idea of what the disciples maybe were experiencing and what Jesus was actually saying. And I wanted to show you what a mustard seed actually looks like. So, uh, got one right there in my hand. See that? Oh, you guys can't see it, can you? <laughs> can I have a volunteer? I want to prove that I have a mustard seed. Come on up here. Will you come up here? Just jump right up on that stage. Come on up. All right. Right there. Is that a mustard seed? Can you see that little thing? All right, can you hang on here just a second? Okay, now the way, the way this parable works, the way parables often work, Jewish parables, was that, um, that it would say something is like something else. 
And the thing that was being compared, the object, the subject was being compared, wasn't just being compared to the object that followed, okay? But it was, it was um, actually being compared to the entire rest of the story. And so Jesus not only says that the kingdom is like a mustard seed, but he says it's, it's like a kingdom, the kingdom is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field, okay? So I don't have a field with me today, but I do have a cup of dirt, and what I'd like for you to do is take this seed. We plant that right there and there. Push that down in there. Good job. Now, here's what Jesus says. He says, though it's the smallest of seeds, this puppy's going to grow. Or it's going to be massive. It's going to be a really big tree. It's going to be like the biggest plant in the whole garden. It's going to be sheltered. Birds are going to come and plant and, and, and perch in the branches. So you ready for this? It's going to happen any minute. No? It says it's going to grow. No? Well, why don't you have a seat? Let's, let's wait for it, okay? You go ahead and have a seat. We'll, we'll see what happens with this. A lot of power in this seed. Jesus says the kingdom has the power of a seed, but also the kingdom sometimes moves at the speed of the seed. See, many believers in Jesus' day, they were expecting the Messiah would come and he would overthrow the Roman government. He'd lead a revolution. He'd establish, reestablish the, 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 the kingdom of Israel right here and right now. And they were yearning, they were longing for a better life. They were hoping that it would happen in their lifetime. And like so many of us this morning, they were hoping for something with more immediate results. Jesus gives them a mustard seed. And he says, this is going to become a great gift one day. In 1974, a singer named Randy Bachman recorded a song in his garage. It was going to be a gift to his brother. His brother was a stutterer, so he and his band thought it would be pretty funny if they stuttered the whole way through the chorus and then gave their brother, who was a band manager who was leaving the band, but they thought this would be a great gift for him. He'll keep it as a keepsake. He'll have the only copy of this song. And then they went to the record label to produce a new album. The, album, the record label said, hey, we don't have any hit songs on this. Do you have another song? They said, well, we have one, but it's kind of a joke. Can we re-record it? And so the record label listened to both songs, and they said, we like the first one better, and they released this song. You ain't seen nothing yet. It's the first, this song went all the way to number one on the charts. And it's the first song ever with a stutter in it to hit number one on the charts. That's a pretty good gift, right? That's an amazing gift for their brother. Even more amazing, I think, is I think this is exactly what Jesus is saying when he planted this seed. He told a story about this much. He's telling his disciples, listen, he didn't stutter, but he said, you ain't seen nothing yet. And the disciples were probably like, yeah, we haven't seen anything yet, right? He says, but wait for it. Just wait for it. This is going to be an incredible gift. And Jesus began 
telling these seed parables to a large group, a large crowd had gathered and said he was out in a boat because he had to push away so that everybody could see him and hear him. But by the time he gets to this parable, we're told that Jesus is probably with his own disciples, telling his own small group of disciples this story. In fact, both Mark and Luke suggest he had a private audience with his disciples when he told them this, this parable. Luke actually places the parable at, right after Jesus had, had done this miracle. He'd, he'd healed this woman on a Sabbath, and we're told in the story that everybody who experienced this miracle was just delighted, including the disciples. Everybody was super excited about this miracle, except for the Pharisees. The Pharisees were angry, and they were accusing Jesus of violating God's law because he had done some work on the Sabbath. And Jesus pulls the guys aside, and then he tells them the story about the mustard seed. And I like to picture him like saying, hey, guys, guys, come here, huddle up. Huddle up, I want to tell you something. Did you see that? Did you see what just happened when I healed that woman? Did you see not only she had, like, new life, but you see everyone else around her got caught up in that life? Don't miss this like the Pharisees did. Right? The kingdom of God is not in their rules. You're not going to find the kingdom in a bunch of religion like they're doing. The kingdom of God is right here, right now. It's in me. I am the seed. I am the source of the life that you were designed to live, and I'm planting it, and it will grow in you and through you. And baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. He says, don't miss it. I'm putting my Father's world back together again, one life at a time. And I'm inviting you to be part of this with me. And one day it's going to be massive. It's going to provide shelter and life for everyone who seeks me for it. It might be small. It might seem insignificant right now. It might not be what you're expecting. It might not even be what you were wanting or hoping for. But nothing can deny this life that I am bringing. And whatever else this parable was about, Jesus is saying with no uncertainty that God's kingdom is present and it's growing in him and in his ministry. And there's much more to come. I think Jesus was capitalizing on this miracle because he wanted to inspire his closest friends. But more than that, I think when Jesus taught that the kingdom of God is like a little bit of mustard seed with enormous potential, I think he was casting a vision for all those ho-hum days when there wouldn't be a miracle. All those days when they were waiting and hoping for something big to happen, and it never came. Those discouraging days when the crowds would leave them would leave Jesus and his disciples because he wasn't performing or he wasn't feeding them. All those disappointing days when they got rejected by people who said, you know what, we're going to look over here. There's a little more attractive way that we think to find life, secular, religious, other ways, and we're going to go look for it over there. Or those days when the group themselves just struggled to find any kind of spiritual momentum or, or meaning in their own lives. I think those were a lot of the days for the disciples, maybe most of the days. And then there were those days for those closest to Jesus where they themselves like, denied Jesus and doubted Jesus and experienced great disappointment in themselves. 
Jesus was giving them this picture because he was hoping and he believed it would elicit a response for even their darkest days. He was teaching them that if the kingdom of God moves at the speed of the seed, then you have to keep looking for it. But if you want to find this mustard seed kind of kingdom life, then you've got to look for it. You've got to pray for it. You've got to trust Jesus for it. One commentator says this is actually the most personal parable that Jesus ever told. He knew exactly what his friends needed. He knew exactly what they would need. He knew there was a day coming when he would no longer be be physically present with them to lead them and to encourage them, and they would all be scattered. They'd all be scattered like little seeds all over the world. But they'd be buried in disappointment, in failure, in pain, in grief, doubt, and fear. And Jesus wanted them to remember that that little mustard seed of life and of faith was in them. He had planted his life in them, and it would grow. And they just needed to keep looking for it and praying for it and trusting him for it. As they did, they could probably hear him singing, but baby, baby, you just ain't seen nothing yet. Powerful gift. Best gift ever. And Jesus huddles up us this morning, I think, in the same way, with this same deeply personal and encouraging message. He says to all of us, He says, I am the seed of life. The life you were created to live is, is present, it's here and now, it's in me, and it's growing. Come to me, receive this life, and then go and look for it. And pray for it and trust Jesus for it. It's everywhere if you only look for it. Dave was talking this week, just minutes ago, about the life we saw of the kingdom right here in this room all week long through VBS. Sometimes it's easy to see. Sometimes it's not quite as easy. I went to visit a young man in the hospital a few weeks ago, and there was uh, no reason no reason at all for this young man to still be alive. He'd, he'd been air-flighted to Iowa City days before. And his family and, and, and friends were like clinging to any uh, hope of life, any sign of life. It's like they're looking in this cup, and they, they obviously can't see the seed. It's like somebody dumped all the dirt out of their cup. And they're just digging, looking for any seed of hope they can find. It's a miracle when I walked in the room, first sign of life is, is he's sitting up on his bed and, um, and, and, and he's able to, to talk. Um, and, and so we're talking a little bit. And then he get, at one point he gets up and he walks, almost runs to the bathroom. And he comes back and he hops up on his bed. And he's trying to smile. And he, he still has a long ways to go. He had still a lot of hurdles to clear. But things were, were good that day. And so after talking with him for a while, I'm just, I'm curious. And I say, so, so tell me a little bit about your faith in the midst of all of this. I, I'm just curious, like, you know, tell me about your faith. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure what I believe yet. He said, I go to church, but I'm still trying to figure that out. I thought, okay, you're still trying to figure it out. That's a good, good, you're still looking, you're still trying to figure things out. 
And we talked a little bit more, and I was asking him what he's looking forward to when he gets out and gets healthy and all these sorts of things. And, and then a little bit later, his mom starts talking about all of these prayers that have been answered in recent days, these, these powerful, and, and many of them specific prayers that have been answered, prayers that, that she's been praying on so many sleepless nights. And she's looking for life for her son. She's praying for life. She's trusting Jesus to bring life. And so I asked him, I said, well, what, what do you believe about prayer? And he says to me, he says, well, he says, um, there have been a lot of people praying for me. And I'm still here, so there's that. <laughs> yes, yes, there is that, right? That's the mustard seed right there, right, that a mom has planted in his heart and in his mind through her prayers, and I'm not sure he was even aware of it. It was, it was small, barely noticeable. This is faith the size of a mustard seed. And I said to him, I said, I said that sounds an awful lot to me, like, like the, the work of God. Like that's the business God is in, right? He, he rescues people. He, he brings new life to people. He raises them from the dead. He restores people. I said, this sounds like God's at work. And just as I'd finished saying this, this man walks in the room, and I, I swear he was an angel God because he was terrifying. He was this... <laughs> He was, he was this big, big man, and he had this long silver hair, and it was like pulled all the way down into a braid all the way down his back, this big ponytail, this big silver beard, and these like, like intense piercing eyes, but are also kind of like inviting, and you're like, and he came in with this message for this, for this young man, and he walked right over to this young man, and the young man just disappeared in his arms as he just wrapped him up and hugged him, and he says, I'm here to tell you something. He goes, I want you to know one thing. There's one reason you're still here. It's because the man upstairs is looking out for you. This young man's eyes got big and he just said, we were just talking about that. It was like that seed just shot up right out of the dirt right there. It's like the kingdom of God just burst into that room just all of a sudden. It's like there was all of a sudden this new hope and new life. It, he wasn't miraculously healed. All of his problems weren't, weren't solved, didn't go away. But there was real hope and real life in the room. And we prayed together. And there were tears. And I know, I mean, I don't know what the future holds for this young man. But I believe that the kingdom of God came into the room that day like a mustard seed, which a mom had planted in his heart and his mind. And it comes with power. It's full of power and life. And Jesus says to this young man, and to his mom, and to his family, and to all of us here in this room. You ain't seen nothing yet. Keep looking for it. Keep praying for it. Keep trusting me for it. You can find this kingdom life everywhere if you'll look for it. About the same time that this young man was air flighted to Iowa City, I got a call from another, uh, another man whose wife had died within the last years, and he, he was uh, just getting ready to, to go and spread her ashes when uh, his friend, who he calls his brother, died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. And he's breaking down on the phone as he's sharing the story with me, and he's just asking me if I would please pray for this, his brother's two children who were in the house when this happened. And so we prayed over the phone, and I went and met with him the next day, and over several days we were meeting, and we would pray, and we would read the Bible together. And, and um, I learned a lot about him during those days. I learned that in the wake of all this, he'd lost his job, 
and um, he had no home, and he'd come to this area because his sister who lives in the south had a house that she was selling and said he could stay in the basement until the house is sold. And he um, doesn't know anybody around. He suffers from seizures. He suffered a ton of violence in his lifetime. And I'm praying for him one day, and he asks me, he said, how can, you, how can I pray for you? I said, hey, you know what? If you could just pray for this family I know, this young man who's fighting for his life. I said, I would really appreciate it. He said, I will do that. I'll pray for him. A couple days later, this guy gives me a call. He says, you got to come over. you got to come over right away. you got to get over here. I said, what's going on? He goes, I just got some gift cards. He goes, somebody dropped off some gift cards. I got five gift cards to BP. He goes, I, I got to get them to that family you were telling me about. It's going back and forth. I was saying, he goes, they got to have these, these, these gas cards. And then a couple days later, he gets his final check from where he was working at before he got here. And, and he was working at KFC, so it's not a large check. And he says, he's got about 60 bucks, I think, and the only 60 bucks he has. He says, you got to take this $20, and you got to give it to the church. He said, you got to give it back to that cup of cold water fund you were telling me about that helped me, helped me get some groceries. He goes, take it, take it to the church. This guy has nothing. But he has this mustard seed of faith, this mustard seed of the kingdom in him. And other birds are finding shelter in his branches, in spite of his circumstances. It's the most amazing thing ever. The kingdom of God can be found everywhere. And one of the things that I think Jesus is telling us is, is take this kingdom, regardless of your circumstances, take this kingdom. Part of looking for it is participating in this life with me as you wait for it to come, as you pray for it to come. This is not easy by any means. As my friend and I were sitting this week and things have gotten worse, situations, I'm just at a loss. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know how to help. I don't know what I can do. And we're praying and he doesn't either. And it's just like, this is hard, hard stuff. But I know that the looking and the praying and the trusting Jesus for is the call. In fact, Scottish author George MacDonald, he puts it this way. He says, trusting when it appears you have been forsaken, praying when it seems your words are simply entering a vast expanse where no one hears and no one answers, believing that God's love is complete and that he is aware of your circumstances, desiring only what God's hands have planned for you, with your only fear being that your faith might fail. This is the victory that has overcome the world. The Apostle Paul takes this idea and he puts it another way. He says this from 2 Corinthians. He says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And Jesus says, baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. Or maybe that was Randy Bachman. But that's what Jesus meant, I think, when he told us a story about the mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in a field. And though it's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that birds come and perch in its branches. It's hard hard work sometimes, but it's the victory that Jesus calls us to. It's the victory that's overcome this world. Think about it this way. 2,000 years ago, 
these, uh, these men decided to follow around this homeless rabbi who'd been born in some obscure place in a manger. And they decide, well, we're going to accept his invitation. We're going to go follow him around. They were a relatively insignificant group of men. And after the guy they're following dies, they get scattered all around the world. But they had, they had witnessed this, this resurrection, and they had heard these powerful teachings and seen life in him. And so they start telling other people about this. And other people are drawn to this, and other people start to find life as they share this good news with them. Little do they know, they had actually become the seed themselves as they're scattered around the world. And so they start growing some churches, and these churches eventually start to to produce hospitals and schools and universities. And those universities start turning out musicians and artists and scientists and architects and writers, and they build libraries, and they have... uh, 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 they train up all these researchers and all these leaders. H.G. Wells says this. He says, A historian without any theological bias, whatever, should find that he simply cannot portray the progress of humanity honestly without giving a foremost place to a penniless teacher from Nazareth. And I would add, and the group that carried on his mission when he was gone. You talk about a small an insignificant beginning growing into a massive movement. And it continues today through you and me. Jesus had taught his disciples to pray for this. Pray for the kingdom to come. His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. He, he, it was so important. He knew how hard it would be. He gave them a prayer to pray. And in a minute, we're going to pray this prayer together. But one thing first. Right after Jesus told the disciples about the mustard seed, he told them one more parable. He said this, he said, The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. And Jesus makes the point that once the yeast is at work and introduced in the flour, it's like it's going gonna, it's gonna to impact the entire dough, that there's not going to be any corner of society, no corner of our hearts or minds that won't be impacted by the kingdom of God. And there's nothing that can reverse the process once it's started. Similar to the seed, but there's one more thing that Frederick Bruner points out that the disciples would have heard. They would have been surprised that Jesus used yeast as something to, to represent something that was good. And they said they would have understood that Jesus was actually calling them to be like yeast, to be good, to work themselves into the world, into every corner of society with God's good life, with his graciousness, to take it to work, to take it to your homes, to take it to the gym, to take it to the bars, to take it everywhere you go. Go and look for this life. And bring this life and pray for this life and trust Jesus to transform it all into something good. And he says 60 pounds of flour. That's not just uh, something that a woman goes to bake a little loaf of bread. 60 pounds of flour, that's a lot of flour. And with a little bit of yeast, it makes enough bread to feed a party of 100 people. Jesus is saying, I want to have a party. And it's a party like you ain't seen yet. It's a baby. You ain't seen nothing yet. I'm going to invite the band to come and lead us again in some songs of praise. But as they do, I would encourage us to pray together this prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples, that his kingdom would come right here in our midst. His will would be done right here on earth as it is in heaven through us as we get ready to leave here today 
and be his kingdom agents. The words will be on the screen. I invite you to, to pray with me. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever.